Grads, the show where two broke grads talk about being two broke grads. I'm Chelsea, and for this episode, I went with a slightly different editing style. A few months ago, I got to virtually sit down with Julia Fatasic and talk about the financial issues that come with transitioning during grad school. We, in general, want this podcast and its uh, very sporadic episodes to help people feel like they're not alone. And part of that is giving people space to share financial experiences that not all graduate students have. There's no one-size-fits-all mold that applies to the financial situation of all grads, and talking to Julia helped me learn about what other grads are experiencing. Julia is a PhD student out in Michigan. A PhD student in English literature, specifically 18th century British literature. Um, and I study gender nonconforming people, queer people, people that you might consider trans in the period, although that's a pretty tricky concept when we go that far back. But her research didn't start out that way. My PhD or in a grad school expecting to work on trans issues. I didn't really understand myself as trans completely yet. When I applied and when I accepted this this offer, I actually started my graduate work doing like medical humanities. I was really interested in plague, um, which is what had drawn me to the 18th century. I had read a lot of Daniel Defoe, Journal of the Plague Year, stuff like that. And then surprise, you know, two years later, I, I actually figure it all out and tell them I'm Julia now. And my research sort of evolved from there. I mean, when you're dealing with with gender and sexuality and, and gendered anatomy. In any period, you are dealing with medicine still on some level. So my research didn't change that much, but it, it did change. Um, Edgeworth's novel, Belinda, has this character, Harriet Freak, And um, of course, her, her name alone maybe tips you off. Uh, she says quite often, I'm a freak. She occasionally gets called a man woman by people. She sort of dresses uh, in really masculine ways and behaves in really aggressive masculine ways. She's not treated very well by the text, unfortunately. No one really likes her. And uh, she's kind of aggressive and monstrous. And gender nonconforming people aren't always treated very well by these texts. But that's kind of an example of someone. We also talked about some of the perhaps unexpected expenses that came with transitioning in graduate school. One specific case of this is estrogen therapy, which can be expensive, especially when people who are trans are more likely to live at or below the poverty level someone somewhere produces it, right? Um, I, I just think, like, uh, it's not considered a, a very um, high prerogative for a lot, of, right? Like, it's, like, it's it's trans women and then, like, a, a handful of, like, yeah, like, low sex hormone levels, a level um, cis women, right? Which, ultimately, like, that whole population is not very large and also tends not to be, it's not a very lucrative population. Like, it's statistically true that most trans people are in poverty. Um, like, we're, we tend to exist below the, the poverty level, um, and therefore don't have a lot of money to spend on on medications. So just in terms of, you know, uh, profit margins, I, I we're just not a very profitable people to make medicines for. And so they just don't. Luckily, her university provided some medical and mental health resources, but there's still a clear need for more. First of all, the, the free counseling I got from my university, that's a huge resource. And I think that's a situation that exists in other universities too. They offer counseling to students for free. Take advantage of that. That's a huge, huge help. I, I would not be where I am without that. My counselor was extremely good to me and I will forever be grateful for that. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, things like, you know, like a clothes closet or something like that. I mean, there's, you know, Goodwills and stuff, but um, it's not always the same, right? You know, like trading clothes with other grads uh, or with faculty or some or the other students, like that feels more immediately productive and useful. I mean, I've, people have donated clothes to me. I've been very fortunate in that way. So that's a useful resource. My plea to, to listeners is um, if you're on Twitter, especially on like a trans circles and Twitter, you'll see a lot of people sharing PayPal links. You should consider donating to one of those if you can. Those are people often trying to pay for clothing or medical expenses or rent or something like that. Like I said, trans people um, statistically not in the best situation financially in this country or in the world in general. And so helping out where you can, if you can, is, is huge. One especially necessary resource was clothes. So I think the one you and I have talked about before is clothes, right? I had an existing wardrobe, right, as a person who was ostensibly male uh, and didn't want to keep wearing 90 plus percent of those articles of clothing, right? Because um, I don't like the way they look on my body and they cause people to address me in certain ways. And, and so in terms of my own uh, self-esteem and, and, you know, I teach as well as part of my program. So having a set of professional clothes to be recognized as a woman in the classroom, like that requires a certain wardrobe, right? Um, and so I essentially had to get rid of my old wardrobe. I donated most of it and have, I've, I'm still in the process of buying new clothes, right? And And that's a difficult process. I mean, first of all, imagine you know, your entire wardrobe right now as it exists and having to buy all of that within one year on a grad student stipend. It's nuts, right? Like it's, it's actually like almost inconceivable, but sometimes uh, trans women shrink in various places or like my feet have gotten smaller this year. So that means shoes that I bought at the beginning of this year no longer fit. Um, So it's just uh, a ton of stuff like that, right? And trying to to look presentable while also finding clothes that are affordable and also fit my frame. Cause I, uh, my, you know, my body isn't necessarily in the same proportions that cis women tend to be. And fleshing out a whole new wardrobe on a small stipend isn't the only extra financial expense that Julia has faced. We talked about how certain groups in the population face higher financial costs just because of who they are. For example, a woman might take an Uber at night in the city while a man might feel safe enough to walk. Or someone may take a more expensive apartment where their roommates, landlords, and neighbors don't make them feel unsafe for being themselves. And trans women often experience this to an even higher degree. I mean, um, it's, it's hard to put myself out there or sort of exist publicly comfortably, right? I mean, uh, you're right, of course, like all women really face this sort of issue, right, where we're we're facing unique dangers relative to to men or to non-women that uh, sort of exist publicly. But but I have this sort of like double bind here where, um, so I'll give you an, an example of something that happened to me uh, over the summer that was kind of scary. I was going to to meet a friend for coffee and walking across the parking lot a man approached me looking for change, right? Um, as happens sometimes in the city. Um, but he he sort of approached me in a way that I was between him and my car without like a clear escape route, right? So that's already a pretty immediately scary situation. 
but as soon as I tried to, to make my way past him, I said something, I don't remember what, you know, something offhand, but as soon as he heard my voice, you know, I, I'm, I'm not under any illusions about what my voice sounds like right now. Um, he, he sort of, uh, the, the less, um, proper term, I guess, is clocked. Like he, he knew I was trans in that moment. Actually, he didn't know I was trans. He was actually confused and thought I was a man. Uh, right. And like loudly sort of, uh, said something about it. Um, so that's a situation where, um, not only am I afraid because I'm a woman being confronted by a man in the situation without a clear escape route or, or unclear of where the situation is leading, but then suddenly I'm being identified as queer, as a trans woman, right? Or someone who's in this guy's mind um, not conforming to gender roles in a way that he's apparently comfortable with. And so that also puts me in a really dangerous situation. And that's just why I'm walking across a parking lot to meet someone for coffee, right? So if you imagine a, a job where I have to have, uh, you know, repeated interactions with the public on a daily basis, uh, which many jobs require, I mean, that puts me at that same sort of risk every single time I have to talk to someone. Julia also talked about the different medical and life co- costs she's come across, some of which the university has been able to help with and some they have not. It's funny you bring that up because Western has a fairly robust speech pathology program and they do offer trans voice therapy. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, I, I gave them a call a couple of weeks ago and I think I just finished talking to them last week. I can't afford it. Um, my insurance doesn't cover it and I can't afford the, the out-of-pocket cost to do it. A service offered through my university, I don't get paid enough by the university in order to afford it, right? So... I've sought that stuff out, but I, I can't afford it. And there's all sorts of stuff like that, right? I mean, voice therapy, laser hair removal, I mean, various surgeries, which are not necessarily just the surgery that everyone has in mind. There's all sorts of stuff that, that are involved. I mean, haircuts got more expensive. Like everything you can everything you can think of, like the cost increased or like it suddenly, like there's something I, I suddenly realize I want or need and there and also can't afford. Even changing her names so that all her official documents and the courses she teaches have Julia on them comes with a cost. Yeah, I mean, you have to go get fingerprinted by the police and then send it to like the FBI. Like each one of these like is, is part of the cost. You have to get it like you have to get your hearing, uh, your notice of hearing published in the newspaper. That's a cost. But I, I have to pay for that. Right. So it's been like, you know, um, it's, it's a lot of money. And then after that, I have to like, get my license changed and my birth certificate changed and like call every uh, institution that I've ever interacted with my entire life and get that changed. And like, sometimes there's fees associated with that. So of course the graduate school doesn't even factor that into something they might need to pay a, a grad student for. Like, why would they even think of that in terms of like, you know, budgeting out what a grad student could reasonably be paid with a stipend? It doesn't even enter that calculation. Dealing with these extra processes, which cost time and money, can put a damper on other areas of life, especially when there's not a whole lot of wiggle room in a graduate student stipend. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess in terms of like, this is kind of abstract in terms of finances, but that does affect my ability to actually like perform my work in a good way. Like if I'm, if I'm worried about this and frustrated about this and not being respected in this way, like that, that does have very real consequences on how I'm able to to perform my work, both as a teacher as and as a student, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a sort of razor thin margin we're all living on, right? Like, if anything major happens, I think a lot of us might be in a position where that that could 
seriously damage or, or even sort of, uh, you know, drop us out of the academy altogether, right? Over the course of the 90 minutes that Julia was kind enough to chat with me, I learned a lot about how other graduate students have different financial strains and resources than I do. My biggest takeaway is to be more open-minded about what other students are experiencing. Graduate student budgets don't leave much wiggle room for the average student, so when extra expenses come up, things can be difficult. It's important to remember that not everyone's financial situation is the same. Just because you didn't have a certain experience or expense doesn't mean that it isn't important to consider. Julia left me with a few closing thoughts about her experience. I think I would say um, to other trans grads, especially grads that you know you're questioning, uh, if you're thinking about transitioning but you're not sure, you know about the finances or, or where you'll be in your program. I think, uh, and this is going to sound maybe like not the sort of advice the university would want me to give, but focus on yourself. I mean, your own well-being and your mental health and your physical health, all of that is way, way more important than anything else you could be doing in the university at any given moment. If you don't feel good, you're not going to produce good work. So um, you need to do what's best for you. And if that involves scaling back on research or teaching or service or whatever in pursuit of that transition, then that's what you need to do. Thank you so much to Julia for uh, taking the time to talk with me. I not only had so much fun talking to you, but I learned a lot. If you want to hear more from Julia, you can follow her on Twitter at Julia Fatasek. That's at J-U-L-I-A-F-T-A-C-E-K. And of course, you can follow Two Broke Grads at Two Broke Grads Pod, me, Chelsea, at Chelsea Parlette, and our missing co-host, Dimitri, at Peach Dimitri. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at some